The following is a Mission Studios podcast. Promotional consideration for this episode is given to Connor's Cure. For more information, visit www.missionarypod.com. This is the Missionary Position, and we are... Off-color. Politically incorrect. Abrasive. Offensive. Insensitive. Obnoxious. And sometimes stuck in the fuck you mode. It's Sunday! It's September 16th. And I just spent the last week playing with myself to the last episode of Lassie. I'm AC. And I'm Jason. And on this week's episode... We spice up Father Flanagan's sex life. We apply for work in a Nike sweatshop. <laughs> we alienate the trans community. We wonder what the fuck is wrong with us. So lube up. Turn off the lights. Lay down. And get ready for the gangbang version of Brokeback Mountain. Seriously? Ouch. This is episode 15. One of the, the the plumbers on the job site where I'm, where I'm working, he came to me a while back, and I don't know, he's he's sort of one of these weird twitchy guys, very very socially awkward, and he was telling me about how he often goes and pays for these twenty dollar hookers, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, why the fuck would you go get a twenty dollar hooker? And he says, well, because I can't afford the fifty dollar one. Which, <laughs> Well, it made good financial sense. It didn't really answer the question I was asking, which ultimately was, why the fuck are you paying for it if you could just go get it for free? And he said, well, I, I don't know how to talk to women. He was like, well, it's not difficult to talk to women. You just open your mouth and fucking words come out. Like, it's the easiest thing in the world. You don't mm-hmm. have to be the best looking guy or the richest or have the biggest dick or the nicest car. But if you can talk, most women can appreciate this shit. And if, you, if what you said says actually makes sense? Yeah. Absolutely. But where I started to fuck with him a little bit was, you know, feeding him these icebreaker lines, pickup lines, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I gave him a couple where he was staring at me in disbelief, but then ultimately thought, well, I get laid on a regular basis. He doesn't. So maybe he should take my advice. And I sent him away with the knowledge that I had properly informed him, which was absolutely not the case. Right. But um, thinking about that whole exchange, you got me thinking like, what kind of shitty pickup lines <laughs> have we heard, have we used, or have we even just joked about over the years? And maybe we, just for funsies, as much as I hate the word funsies, maybe we could share some of these fucking things with... It's kind of gay, though. Well, not in a bad way. Yeah. Funsies so not not, not the way. good way with, like, two men pleasing each other, but in a bad way where it's just shitty... Like, that's a priest who wasn't even protected and hadn't showered for four days. <laughs> <laughs> Bad gun day. So the broke back mountain six months with no shower impromptu sex in a tent kind of bad. Yeah. Okay. The only thing worse is that is being in the fucking pulpit. What's really I mean, my biggest problem with that movie was not the gay sex. It was the like, how do you have that kind of sex with no lube? And how do you do that in an enclosed unventilated area after having not showered for a long ass time? That's how. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Um, the The first line that I had given this guy to try out was, you know, like one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. A classic, really. Which was, my penis just died. Can I bury it in your ass? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's got rigor mortis. Here, feel how hard it is. <laughs> nice follow-up. <laughs> or... <laughs> With a mouth that pretty, you'll never get pregnant. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. You might not be the best looking girl in the room, but beauty is only a light switch away. <laughs> hey, I've had that used on me. What the fuck? <laughs> I. Uh, never mind. Yeah, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're as easy as your mom. <laughs> oh. Do you have any? Um, <laughs> or I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> well, I've used, in the past, I've used, you know, my one-eyed my one eyed ostrich wants to bury his head in your sand. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> well, at least when he spits, his head is still in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh. Are you free tonight, or is it going to cost me? <laughs> <laughs> Since you and your sister are twins, will you say yes too? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think Trump kidding this one out. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking is like flossing your teeth. The first few times is going to be blood. <laughs> Oh my good god. <laughs> this one for like maybe like the the more sophisticated woman in your life, the the nerdier type maybe. <laughs> Do you like dragons? Cuz in a minute it'll be dragging my balls across your face. <laughs> No, 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 seriously. My penis is fake. Will you blow it up for me? <laughs> <laughs> that hole in the end is a little air nozzle. <laughs> oh, my God. What does God have to do with this? <laughs> this one for the married guys, or women, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm married, so what can I do to get you to go out with me? Well, were you asking me, or was that one of those things? <laughs> <laughs> Is that lemonade, or did you put a Jolly Rancher up there? <laughs> How about you grab my butt, and I grab your ears? <laughs> Oh, God. Here he comes. You got something? No. Go. <laughs> oh, I do, but I want to hear this one. <laughs> Gee, for a fat chick, you really don't sweat much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got, you know, my favorite compliment from a woman. What's that? <laughs> Rude. Tell your nipples to stop staring at my eyes. <laughs> Excuse me, my dick's down here. <laughs> What's a nice girl like you doing with a face like that? <laughs> yeah, you should divorce him. <laughs> I think we should probably... <laughs> before we end up losing all of our female listeners. 
I want to take a bit of time to shoot fish in a barrel. <laughs> so as we all know, the Catholic Church is a well-organized machine that, <laughs> depending how you look at it, may appear as though it's purpose-built to molest children in huge numbers. Oh, we're going there. Well, why the fuck not? All righty. We've pissed off other people. Let's piss off some Catholics here. Hey, maybe we'll get a blurb from the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> or should we call him Poop? <laughs> guess it depends which part of it, him you're looking at. Spoiler well, alert, the Poop like is him. not on his bum. <laughs> Ew. So, I was, I was looking at this article on... <laughs> the Poop is not on his bum. Okay, <laughs> I tried to hold up, but it didn't work. Do you remember that uh, that that Tom Green song, the Bum Bum song? Yep, <laughs> that's, that's what's got in my head now. That's what got in my head. My bum is on the cheese. My bum is on the cheese. <laughs> I was doing the poop's not on my bum. The poop's not on my bum. I am a hundred percent sure that he's a fan of the show. Oh, I, that would be awesome. For contractual reasons, he can't call in and verify this, but take our word for it. He's yeah, okay, I'm lying. <laughs> well, Tom, if you are listening, let us know. And two things. One, we'd love to have you on the show because you're right up our fucking alley. And two, meet and greet with Drew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> meet and beat. Mm. All right. <laughs> so, back to the poopy pope. <laughs> okay, so this story's been all over the fucking web the last, I don't know, little while. I think the story broke on the 15th or so. I mean, like it was played so much and broke it. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, we all know that the Catholic Church molests the fuck out of kids. They're good at it. Whatever. And they finally admitted it. And, um, well, they were sort of... Their their internal policies surrounding the uh, rape of children was sort of brought to the light of day by a grand jury investigation in, in the state of Pennsylvania. Right. Now... There is zero doubt in my mind that these issues are not limited to the state of Pennsylvania. The Catholic Church operates worldwide, and I have no reason to believe that this isn't happening in every diocese on the planet. Well, and they also admitted that they moved them from Paris to Paris to hide them. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they do everything they can to protect the fucking pigs that are doing the shit to the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, the LA Times released um, something that was ex- exposed from the, the the Catholic Church. It was their seven-step playbook for concealing the truth about priests raping and sexually abusing children. And they actually listed the seven steps in their article. Right. So there's all different things, like sort of like, I guess, pass the blame from the sexual uh, molesters onto the victims of the molestation. And uh, let, let's... Let's go through the seven steps. Um, I don't want to like read through the whole list and then go back. We'll just fucking hit them point by point and see what we've got to say on the issue. <laughs> okay. So, uh, number one, use euphemisms like boundary issues instead of rape. Like, there is no fucking play on words that is going to make putting your cock in a kid not rape. Well, like, what's the fucking boundary issues? Like, I'm sorry, you violated my personal boundary, which is my outer fucking sphincter. Like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Your cock should not be in a fucking kid. That's like, 
both a boundary issue and, and a fucking rape. And when you say on, that's in any sense. On a hand, on a belly, on a back, on any part. Absolutely. Yes. You can't even say that it just like some innocent touching because, I mean, if it's a sexually charged um, frame of mind. There's no such thing as innocent touching. Well, it's the thing. Like, if you got some priest that's got a fucking raging heart on and he just goes and rubs his fingers through little Jimmy's hair, huh. I'm sorry, that is a fucking act of rape. Especially if little Jimmy does not fucking want to be there. Right. Yep. Like, you're getting your jollies from touching a child. I mean, like... It's not like going to the mall and sitting on Santa's knee. Exactly. Because right. Santa, like, you know, that's an innocent transaction. You sit on the priest's knee, and he's specifically asking you to sit there because it feels good to him. And you can't fall off. <laughs> you're fucking pegged in place. <laughs> fucking locked and loaded. Like, <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> Dude, you were laughing about a kid getting raped. No, I'm laughing at the fact that he can't fall off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm so glad there's no hell. <laughs> In all seriousness, no. To any members of the clergy that, for some whatever reason, are listening to this show, don't put your dick in or on kids and don't brand my stupid humor as acknowledgement or acceptance yeah we laugh because we're assholes and and because it's so fucking ludicrous that somebody actually do this to a kid if i don't find something funny i'm going to get enraged yeah like holy fuck the fact that you even need to like discuss how to like spin this just goes to show how fucked up the organization is Mm -hmm. like it's irrelevant how you label this. It's a fucking rape of a non-consenting, innocent child. Oh, they can't consent. Okay, so the second uh, step in this playbook is use fellow clergy to conduct the investigations. Okay, so we're all members of the same fucking rape gang, and now we're going to, what, act as each other's moral compass? Does yep. this seem at all reasonable? Or I decide what your punishment is? How the hell do you decide when you're in the same problem, hiding it? Well, it's the thing. It's like, I can't imagine any scenario where you've got like an organization of any kind, whether it be cops, government, whatever. If there is misconduct within that group, uh-huh. no member of that group is qualified to determine Right. whether or not wrongdoing was committed or even determine the severity of the wrongdoing. Well, that's why police have IA, internal affairs, a separate body to judge them. That's yeah, you would yeah. never have one, like, well, you wouldn't have one cop, like, investigating his partner kind of right. thing, right? Like, it yep. just, it, to me, that's almost as ludicrous as, like, going to the, the guilty party and saying, do you feel like you did anything wrong? Like, holy fuck, this isn't even a goddamn question. No, they, the question should be, how do you not realize you did something wrong? There there are so many better ways to handle these investigations in-house. I'm sorry, your credibility is shot. You are not in a position to investigate yourselves. You are a disgusting fucking just... Oh, I, I don't even have the fucking words. Okay. When I'm out of words, like, fuck. Number three. <laughs> Send problem priests to church-run treatment centers. You kind of touched on that earlier. With well, how do you how do you not realize you did something wrong? Well, what do you think this treatment even looks like? 
Like, okay, you're going to have, like, some fuck dolls that look like five-year-olds and some fuck dolls that look like 20-year-olds. And you're just going to, like, zap the guy in the testicles with a fucking bug zapper every time he points his dink at the wrong fucking dummy? I would do that. Actually, Hell it does yeah. sound effective, but... I mean, the the, the church... I, I'm sorry, like, if you want these guys to be treated, if you believe treatment is possible, the best way to, like, treat these people is to allow their wrongdoings to be exposed to the light of day and right. let the chips fall where they may. Yep. As soon as you make any attempt to deal with this in-house, what you're saying is, look, we're going to cover this up. You've already removed a lot of the um, responsibility from the guilty party. Yep. Well, you've alleviated all of it. You, you, you've told them essentially that you are raping kids in a consequence-free atmosphere. And you know in the Christian faith how... They scold each other. Yeah. Let's pray with you, rub brother. Rub your rosaries and let's go pray. Yeah. You rub little rosary, now rub your rosaries. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say her ovaries. I said the rosaries. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <sighs> to our one remaining listener at this point. In the- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number four. Decline to say why abusive priests were removed. Oh. Yeah. I've got a huge fucking problem with this. Yeah. If you don't put it out there, two, actually, there's two things. One, if you don't put it out there, there can be nobody else that can be saved because they're aware. And two, if you don't put it out there, if, if there is a way to help, how are they going to get it if nobody knows? If it's me and my kid's Sunday school teacher, say, just isn't there one week. And he's not there the, the following week. And I'm wondering, okay, well, what happens to Reverend so-and-so or Father so-and-so? And I ask, and they don't tell me. Well, a couple problems I have. Maybe this guy is gone because he's in poor health. Maybe, like, you're robbing me of the opportunity to say, okay, here's some chocolates or some candy. Yeah, but they right? wouldn't hide that. You know, but if it's a case that this guy's been removed because he's a fucking child molester... Maybe my kid hasn't been molested. Maybe he has. I have no way to find out if I don't even know that this is like a probability at this point. If my kid's been in the presence of a pedophile, I would like to know about it. I would like all the other parents to know about it. Right. Because you don't know how far the ripple effect of this pervert's actions go unless it is put out there. And the the other part of that also is... I would like to know that my church takes a serious stance on this sort of thing. Well, look, we found that this guy had inappropriate contact with kids. And even Talk to your children. Yeah. Even if nothing has like crossed a certain boundary, say, just so you're aware, like talk to your kids, like, right. you know, make sure they understand that like, it's not okay for a grown up to put their hands on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. there's so many different things that like are removed as options when you don't tell people why the fucking clergyman was moved. Well, and the church is always supposed to have been like whether or not I agree with it, whether or not I believe in God and all this kind of stuff. The church is always supposed to be a place of sanctity, a place where people can go and be protected, mm-hmm. and be safe. Well, this takes any of that away, you know. Whether whether or not we agree with religion or faith or whatever the scenario is or the apocalypse or whatever. Once you take something like that that has been held precious for so long, one or two things is going to happen. Either people are going to go in denial and say, no, that never happened in my church. Or people are going to fly away because they don't want to be at that church. 
Those are the only two possible outcomes. Yeah. And not giving somebody a safe place, especially when it's uh, when it's based around God, uh-huh. love, spirituality, in entitle not not entitlement. Um. Well, well, entitlement, but entitled like to to God's love, right? And then you find out, no, no, God's love means something different. <laughs> yeah, God loves you in a different way. Yeah, it puts yeah, a whole new meaning to God it. God loves you, know, that you song, like Jesus mommy loves me. daddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the other part of that, too, is there are many communities where um, the, the the people, they're, they're sort of down and out. Maybe there's not a lot of community resources. There's not government-funded community centers of inequality. It may be that the only place for certain programs is through church functions. Yep. And when you create an environment where people have legitimate reason to mistrust you and mistrust your uh, ability to provide a safe environment for their children, Uh how many kids are going to miss out on like basketball games or movie night or any number of fucking things just because you got to worry about Father Flanagan greasing up his fucking cock and shoving it in your ear? Well... Even even more so than that, like, okay, so an average citizen in average Joe Blow town, Canada or USA, who has child porn on his computer, even if he's never touched a child, yeah, gets reamed out the ass and put through the justice system and signs all over the place. And when he's released from prison, the people in the area he's going to are notified that he's a pedophile. And justifiably so. So why is the fucking... Church not only alleviated out of taxes, they're also alleviated out of punishment. That that's the part I, I don't understand because I mean I I was sort of like thinking along those lines and I was wondering like, can you think of any other organization where this sort of thing can be demonstrated to be commonplace, where that organization would be allowed to keep its doors open? No. You know, if you found out that McDonald's, like not just your local McDonald's, but McDonald's, the chain, Uh you know, every fucking location had at least one burger flipper that was, you know, flipping more than burgers. (laughs) I I think people... I thought you were going to go somewhere with what the burgers were made out of. Sorry. (laughs) I I think if your kids are getting molested by somebody in a Ronald McDonald suit, Mm -hmm. McDonald's is not going to be in business for very long. No, they're going to have a major lawsuit, and if not have to close their doors, have a fucking public apology, and more scrutiny when they hire people, everything else. Yeah, yeah. there would be, a, at the very least, a massive fucking overhaul before public trust would start to be regained. Absolutely. We do not see that social consequence even within... It even happens with bad food. Okay, something as simple as, you know what, like a, a dose of salmonella got in the fucking meat, and 15 of McDonald's franchises got it. Yeah, it becomes a national fucking issue, and it wasn't even on purpose. This shit's done on purpose, hidden on purpose to save a fucking reputation. Yeah, you're not gonna like convince me that you accidentally fucked the kid, nor are you gonna convince me that you accidentally covered it up. I think anybody inside, you know, how there's there's seven seven degrees of separation. I think anybody inside of three degrees of separation of a child molester in the church should be penalized because you're guilty by association. Because if you knew, obviously you didn't say anything. Yeah. Okay, so where are we? Number five? Uh, yeah. Provide housing and living expenses for predator clergy. That's something I want everybody to think about. Yeah. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody, because this isn't something that is limited to people that regularly attend church or even occasionally attend church. If you give your money to any Catholic charity, uh-huh. 
whether directly or indirectly, you are funding cover-ups of child molestation. Yes, but a lot of them wouldn't know that. And in all fairness, 90% of the parishioners probably wouldn't know that the priests, it's the other priests and shit that are doing it behind the scenes and hiding. How would they not know? It's common knowledge in, 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 in this day and age what the Catholic Church's position is on child molestation. Right. And anybody who's going to sit back and think, well, it's not happening in my church. This is like someplace in Pennsylvania or it's someplace in fucking Peru or it's someplace mm-hmm. somewhere else. The people that brought their fucking kids into these parishes, uh-huh. they would have said the same goddamn thing. Not in my church. Right. You know, but when you, when you give to still don't know. Like they know, everybody knows that it happens in the Catholic church. Okay. Everybody knows that. But where in the Catholic church, not every priest is a pedophile. And and see, and, and I don't think that that absolves people of any direct responsibility here because whereas other types of religions, you know, like I, I hear this said a lot. Well, you know, like when you talk to people who are Protestants, Right? Like Joe Blow at a Baptist church. You talk about like predator clergy. Well, you know, that's a Catholic thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It happens in every different type of church. What makes the Catholic church different is that the Catholic church ultimately reports to a a global government, which is the the Vatican. A a governing body, yes. Yeah. They are organized. They are interconnected. Right. So I don't care if you're in some tiny parish in like the mountains of Argentina or if you're in a huge one in New York City. Ultimately, your money flows up through the vine. Right. Ultimately, the funds are redistributed. Like I'm not saying like if you give $10, you just spent $10 on a pedophile. But even if it's one penny, would you even give a penny to a pedophile who said, look, like I, I need help with my legal fees. I need help paying some kid to shut the fuck up. I need help relocating some guy so he can avoid conviction. No, I would not. Now we, we know what the church is all about. We know that these cover-ups happen. Everybody fucking knows it. Uh So if you know what the organization does, if you know what they're all about and you still continue to give, I don't see how you would remove yourself from that responsibility. That, in my opinion, that's a tough line. I may have had a pedophile live right next door to me for 10 years, let's say. Sure. And, you know, I saw him play with my kids and I saw him play with other kids. And then he ends up getting busted 10 years later and he had a whole bunch of fucking child porn and everything else. And then it's, you must have known you lived right beside him. No, I must not have. That doesn't necessarily mean I did. I don't think it's the same situation, right? Because, I mean, if it's a case of you're living, like, I, I understand how, like, basically what you're saying, whereas, like, you could look at your the, the priest in your church and there's no reason to expect that he is necessarily a pedophile. Right. Because statistically speaking, they aren't all pedophiles. And he's not one of the higher-ups looking down either. But the thing is, it's it's it, it's not that the majority of the priests even are pedophiles. It's that the entirety of the priests belong to an organization mm-hmm. that does have these mechanisms in place to cover up and to make the... Um, actions of these pedophiles just a lot easier for them right if you fund the organization you do knowingly fund what the organization does with its money all you need to do is look at the news 
Like I, I, I I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you that you have no reason to, to believe that your priest is a guilty party. Right. But you do know that the priest's employers are fucking guilty as shit. And right. the employers are the ones collecting your money, not the priest. I'd say 70% of the money that churches get go into you know, building improvements, community, food banks, that kind of stuff. But there is a percentage of it that obviously goes up the chain. So how much, just to, so, to make it a smaller level, how much good would somebody have to do in your community on your dime before them covering up somebody molesting your kid would be okay? Okay. See, that's a loaded question because the guy at, at the church right next, right here isn't a pedophile. And him doing shit for the community does not. Is this take a Catholic church here? For uh, Roman Catholic. Okay. Well, yeah. it, he couldn't possibly do enough good to make me give him a nickel. If there's any chance that a portion of that nickel is going to go towards the, the, the cover ups that we're seeing here, that's the problem. This guy right. might be getting a bum rap because he's got a shitty employer. Mm -hmm. He may not be a shitty guy. Right. His organization is absolutely shitty, and it's the organization I won't fund. Right. Because if I do fund that, I'm funding all the shit we're talking about right now. I that That's the part. I don't see how you can separate the two. But I, I don't want to, like, live on this for too long, because, yep. I mean, like, we're talking about pedophiles, not, like, personal <laughs> actions here. Right. <clears throat> Number six. They transfer problem priests to new dioceses. So, so a diocese is, a, is an area, correct? Diocese? Yeah, basically it's like, okay, you've diddled yeah. too many kids in this neighborhood. So We're going to New send York you... from Elg Albuquerque. Yeah, we'll send you somewhere else where they don't know that you diddle kids. Right. Okay, fair enough. So, you know, there's a new priest in town. I'd say it's time to tape your kid's butthole shut. Yep. Um, avoid reporting the priests to the police. <laughs> this, to me, is probably, like the biggest sticking point aside from <laughs> <laughs> oh that's quite the sticking point all right <laughs> well to be fair i don't know if it's sticky or pointy well i, the, I, I wasn't raised catholic so the unobvious ones are always the funniest <laughs> um but getting back to the point <laughs> <laughs> i think personally like Five and seven should go hand in hand. You do report them to the police, and therefore you provide housing and living expenses in prison. To predatories in prison. That's fair. I think so. Yeah, because if my money is going to be going towards a pedophile, I'd rather be going through the taxation system and fucking yeah. Right, and then he can he can truly be a good Christian by giving and receiving. <laughs> <laughs> well, though it may be better to give than to receive. There's nothing to say that you can't do both at the same time, right? Absolutely. It's called a train. Double your money, double your fun. Yep. Human centipede. There you go. Dude, I saw that movie. <laughs> I feel like the name of this show shouldn't be the missionary position. It should be the barf bucket. Oh, gag reflex, motherfucker. Wow. Okay, so I don't know, like, what else to say on the subject. Is it, like, really, like, if your kids need a fucking social club? Okay, well, I'd like to say this. It's absolutely pathetic that a grand jury had to bring this out. It's absolutely pathetic that the people that you held in the highest standard, including you specifically, because you were a member of the church, mm -hmm. at that time, you held them up there. You didn't understand or know 
the outrage that was going on in the, in the church. Right. But the people that you trusted up the line, let's say three degrees of separation, knew. And I'll, 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 they did nothing to get them the fuck out of there. So I'll, all they did was perpetuate it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. If I had found out that anybody had inappropriately touched any child at any time, uh-huh. I would have gone public with it immediately. Right. I wouldn't have even wasted the time to go through the church hierarchy. This is a case of, this is a fucking child molester. In my mind, the lowest form of fucking life. Well, we do no less in public. And, and that's the thing. After a thorough shit kicking, the cops would be called. Right. And that's probably the most Christian thing you could fucking do. Yeah. Wants to make a per episode donation? Visit www.patreon.com slash missionarypod. I actually want to hear from you. I think we should start sharing some funny happenstances from our past. <laughs> like that time my uncle raped me? If the condom broke, then yes, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, fuck, we've been getting real serious lately. We've been getting diving deep into our psyches and sharing who we are with people. I wanted to have a conversation about funny shit that's happened in our past or something that has brought a new light to something. You know, even if something funny had made a drastic difference in our in our, in our our lives. Okay, so like sort of like a contrast with oh my dog died and everything changed that day well yeah you know we've been getting pretty serious you know like with our with our don't call my cowl episode and a couple other ones getting deep into who we are and letting people see who we are i was starting to bore me (laughs) but you know i think it'd be funny to share the other side you know funny shit that's happened or stupid shit we've done or you know well now you sort of put me on the spot because i'm thinking like the things that has happened or things that I've done that make me laugh are often at other people's expense. And the majority of the things that give me the most laughs, I don't want to out myself by uh, claiming ownership of these vile <laughs> deeds. <laughs> and um, what a lot of people like, what a, what a lot of our listeners may not know about me is that I'm actually kind of like a dark, tortured, fucked up person. Like, I laugh a lot. I make jokes. But at the end of the day, it's because, like, I was taught fairly early on, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And uh, crying's for faggots, according to my dad. So, so, yeah, a lot of of laughter growing up, but not necessarily for the reasons I think you're hoping for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then it will make us laugh. And that's okay. Well, like funny things like that. Time. <laughs> well, it's, some things like they, they happen at the time. They just like out and out sucked. But looking back, we're kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like that time when my older sister slammed my index finger in the back door of my dad's Ford station wagon and managed to get my finger all the way in the door and the door all the way closed. <laughs> And it hurt so bad, I couldn't even scream. I'm just standing there with my mouth hanging open, just like. (laughs) And before she'd even managed to get my finger free to the door, she'd already (laughs) told me, if you fucking cry or tell dad what happened, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) So there I was with a fucked up mangled finger and afraid to tell my dad and hiding my head for the rest of the day. (laughs) 
<laughs> and every time I looked at my finger and then looked up at my sister, she was just there glaring at me. <laughs> <laughs> The, the I think the, the funnest part about that is that one of my fingernails is still got a little bit of a weird misshapen bump to it, mm-hmm. which is a constant reminder of um, <laughs> <laughs> that fucking Ford station wagon. And, and my... that there are some things you shouldn't put your fingers in. <laughs> <laughs> it's or funny. It's funny how I would learn that lesson from my sister. <laughs> You want to talk about that time too? <laughs> what bath time? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like a long time ago, like maybe like last summer or the summer before. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I was fairly young. Um, my older sister, she's a couple years older than me, and um, I guess my parents tried to, I guess, expedite bath time in the evenings because we only had one bathroom in the house <laughs> so my older sister and i would get stuck stuck in the bathtub together now because i'm old enough to remember being in the bathroom like just clearly not just like these little snapshots and her being a couple of years older th- this was obviously like well past the point where a brother and sister should have been bathing together in retrospect <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, we, we used to have, like, fun games we play in the bathtub. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like, we had this uh, this Tupperware jug that we used to use, and we'd fucking, like, you know, I, I guess what the jug was in there for was to rinse the shampoo out of our hair or whatever. Because with two kids in the tub, you're not going to, like, successfully dunk one's head under the water, not without somebody having an orgasm anyways. <laughs> And no, so this is your sister. <laughs> boy, she's a very handsome woman. I really hope the fuck she's not listening. <laughs> well, yeah, she is very handsome. She's got more of a beard than you do. Fuck you. <laughs> so yeah, we we like we we take turns like drinking the bath water out of this fucking juice jug. And I don't know why, but we had this little saying: we take a sip, be like, "Oh yeah, to warm your innards or whatever." And sometimes, you know, like any siblings, um. Your turn doesn't come fast enough. So, I mean, here we are fucking, like, both collectively pissing in the fucking bathwater, drinking out of this fucking Tupperware jug, whatever, and it's like, hurry up, it's my turn, fucking blah, blah, blah. Realize that, okay, like, the jug's not getting my way fast enough, but then I saw this fucking cool thing hanging from the shower head. It was, like, this hot water bottle with, like, a long hose and, like, a drinking fountain spout on it. <laughs> and so I figured... <laughs> I'd start drinking, like, water out of this thing. And then my sister's like, no, no, give me a turn. And then now we're fighting over drinking over what turned out later to be my my mom's douche. <laughs> I don't know why oh you're gagging. Fuck. I'm the one who drank from her douche. Because <laughs> I know your mom. No. <laughs> I feel like I need to stop talking now. (laughs) Oh, fuck. That was fantastic. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, man. Douche guzzler. Holy crap. I got to have that put on a a T-shirt. Douche nozzle? (laughs) Well, just have it big letters across the front, like douche guzzler, and on the back be like www.missionarypod.com. Oh, fuck yeah, we got to make that part of our merch, dude. Shameless plug. (laughs) 
And we are going to be coming up with merch soon, so anybody who's interested, go to the website and let us know. <clears throat> www.missionarypod.com You got it right. Yeah, imagine that, eh? Because it doesn't have a at gmail.com. That's why I didn't fucking know. <laughs> yes. Missionarypod at gmail.com is also our email address. <laughs> okay, oh, so what... Uh... I'm not telling you. I just wanted yours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You fucking prick. <laughs> you baited me. <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm a troll. Well, you knew that fucking story, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everybody else didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hey, sis. Um, so, Miss you. <laughs> way back when, when I first came out to BC, I was a plumber. And one of the things I was okay at was running water lines for in... Radiant heat? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> for doing radiant heat to a boiler system. Some fucking plumber you were. And uh, <laughs> it's been years, dude. Um, anyways, my boss, Keith, set up these two two-by-fours with a two-by-ten across it. So I would walk backwards while he's feeding the pipe through the clips on that side. I'm walking, feeding the pipe through the clips on, on the back side. So I'm walking backwards. So we get to these two joists. Now, remember, we didn't build the house. We just plumbed it. <laughs> oh, so you're like retrofitting. So you're like underneath the floor. Correct. Okay. We're in the basement working on the floor open. The ceiling's open. Okay. I get you. So I'm going backwards. And I'm six foot. So my head's actually in the joists. Okay. And I went back too quick. I was trying to speed up and go faster than him and we were joking around and I managed to go back fast enough that I wedged my head between the choices. Jesus. So So you first, you were you were in a decent clip, so that must have been like fucking in there. My ears were folded forward kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Idiot. So at first Keith thought I was fucking around. And Rita's on the floor just laughing at me. So <laughs> help, help. I'm stuck on this stupid fucking two by ten. And Keith, who's a big dude, comes walking towards me and there's no center there's no center horse holding up the two by ten. It's one on one and one on the other. Oh, so it's like a trampoline. So as he comes walking towards the center, I feel my head wrenching because my body's <laughs> trying to fall, but my head's holding me there. <laughs> And I put my hands up, I start waving frantically like some fucking kid that got his candy stolen. That explains a lot about you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I stop, 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 go back, go back, go back. It ended up I had like a little rip under my ear from fucking pulling my head down. <laughs> so we ended up getting down. We tried like 15 minutes how to figure out how to get me to fuck out. <laughs> so <laughs> finally he gets a fucking two by four, puts it in between the fucking joists and pries it apart so I can get my fucking head out. <laughs> And that was the end of your modeling career. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've been following any of this bullshit with fucking Nike and Colin Kaepernick and all this other fucking crap. Yep. It's got all the political satire people in a fucking hissy fit. It's got everybody in a fucking hissy fit. So, like... I don't really know or care where the fuck I land as far as, like, who Nike's choice of fucking spokesperson is. Like, at the end of the day, I don't fucking care. Right. This guy wants to take a knee. He wants to represent the company. He wants to jerk off on his fucking dog's face. I don't fucking care about Colin Kaepernick. He's fucking <laughs> irrelevant to me. The, the part of the conversation I've actually found kind of interesting is, I guess, sort of the spotlight that's been turned back on these 
uh, third world sweatshop labor facilities or whatever. And people, again, getting fucking outraged, thinking, oh, these poor, you know, Asian women making 20 fucking cents a day, whatever, forced to work, you know, long hours, yada, 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 shitty work conditions, all this. Not paid enough, on and on and on. Well, not paid enough according to whose standard is the first question that comes to mind. Like, I don't know if I'm a fucking asshole for thinking this, but like, so what? They're not making the same minimum wage that workers in Washington, D.C. make? That makes it underpaid? Here's a cold shot of reality for those fucking people. The global norm is to be overworked and underpaid. I am overworked and underpaid. Granted, I don't live in the same fucking garbage conditions that these people do in small town Asia where these sweatshops set up. Mm -hmm. But to a degree, I can understand the struggle. My time isn't worth as much to other people as it is to me. I do have to like bust ass in order to fucking scrape together from my perspective what is a substandard living. Like, Do you have anything to weigh in on that point? Okay, so I don't necessarily disagree with sweatshops. But I do disagree with taking advantage of a situation. If you know, for instance, okay, I know somebody here in Canada is in a hard place and they're working and they're living on the streets. Am I going to take advantage of that and pay them $7 an hour? Probably not because I'm a fair person. If, if I can get the stuff made in China cheaper and make myself an extra 5 bucks a piece because... I pay them still a fair wage for their area instead of nickels and dimes. That I don't have an issue with. These Mm -hmm. people who get away with paying nickels and dimes an hour to these children, that I have a problem with because I don't think it's appropriate to put children in that kind of a position. But I'm working from a Western philosophy here. Well, to to go back to your your point about um, a fair wage, how would you define a fair wage? Like, Would that be paying people according to the going rate? Or paying somebody something they can live off of. Well, um, let's just say their average living weight is seven American dollars an hour. All right. Okay. But they're not regulated, and they are absolutely desolate, and don't even get five dollars a week. So they're living on next to nothing. And I go walk in there and agree to pay them four dollars an hour if they're willing to work for that. I, I don't really have an issue with. Because that's the worker's choice to work for less. Correct. But for me to go in there and offer them, well, I'll give you 25 cents an hour. Because they're desolate, desolate they're thinking, okay, something's better than nothing. So they're going to take it. But that's, that's in my opinion, that's where it, you're way taking advantage. Well, I, I think that might just be an example of a, a free market situation in the sense, okay, you've got 10 jobs and 4,000 people that want the jobs. That necessarily drives the going wage down, I would think. Because there's no real incentive from the company's perspective to pay more than the bare minimum. People are going to show up and they're going to do the job. And for every person that says, fuck it, I'm out, Mm -hmm. there's another couple hundred that are willing to clamor in and take that spot in the fucking shit factory. Yeah, but if you're a big corporation, you're making that kind of money anyways. If you're selling 80 million pairs of shoes, it's not hurting you to be a little bit generous and give more. Okay. And and, and that's just... just a moral situation. I'm not, I don't know what their laws are. I don't know what their. Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of unknowns here. I mean, like when I, when I want to boil it down to its basics, I just think, okay, what people on social media seem to be seeing is somebody who's not making enough money. Right. 
I don't have enough information based on the hype and the the bullshit in our news to determine if these people are making enough money or not. Right. I, I really don't know because, I mean, to say 20 cents a day or 20 cents an hour or whatever, I don't know if that's a lot or a little for the region that we're talking about. Right. Um, so all we can talk about is, is what fair for the region comparatively. You can't really say $20 an hour or 20 cents an yeah, hour. Yeah, there, there's so much we don't know, and that's really the underlying thing. Even to look at and say, okay, well, they're employing children. Sure, in our culture, that's the shits. Mm -hmm. But in many other cultures, that's the norm. Like when I lived in South America, it wasn't at all uncommon for, you know, not children of well-to-do families, but children of struggling, struggling families. They would be out at the bus stop selling gum or newspaper or cigarettes or whatever the case may be. Right. Everybody works to earn a bit. Sure. Right. And there was nothing morally reprehensible about it. It was the norm. Right. But that's, that's different than forcing some some child to be in a sweat lodge for 14 hours a day, not letting them go take breaks, like that kind of shit. Because that's what a sweatshop is. It's an illegal run. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, again, we don't know if this is the norm as far as working conditions go or not. Like, on a personal level, I would prefer that everybody on the globe enjoys the same standards of work conditions that we here in the Western world do. Right. I also understand that that's not the case. I, I guess at the end of it, I, what I'm trying to say is that that one point is much more complicated than is being portrayed um, in, the media. In, in the media and through the sea of outraged voices. Right. The other thing that sort of came to mind is like my, my father-in-law had posted something about this whole thing and... You know, I'd sort of like half jokingly commented, it was like, oh, these Asian sweatshop workers are taking jobs away from American robots. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you get right down to it, I mean, it's like, you know, that like these international conglomerates don't give a fuck about not white workers, right? Mm -hmm. What they see as Asians, what they see as brown people, what they see as disposable people. What they see is the lowest common common denominator yeah. in dollar sense. You see hungry, desperate people who are willing to work for fucking scraps. It would be bad business to not take advantage of that. Like, I'm yeah. just taking a cold, hard look at it. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is the bottom line. Big businesses don't give a fuck about morality because right. if we're buying their products and they're turning a retarded amount of profit because their bottom line is so small. That's brilliant business. It's shitty morality, right. but it's smart money management. So, you know, like what, what would be the, what would be preferable to the, the current system? Like you're going to bring these manufacturing jobs back home here. It's, it's never going to be people doing the jobs. Right. They're either going to outsource or they're going to automate, whichever is cheaper. Mm-hmm. Just We're like not with agriculture. Two things that don't change. We don't get the jobs. These people don't get the money slash work conditions. Mm -hmm. Like on the people level, everything remains shit because the profit must be protected at all costs. Right. So do I think it's a good idea to boycott these products, forcing these sweatshops to shut down? Fuck no. I'd buy a pair of Nikes just to make sure that some five-year-old worker earns his fucking pension. <laughs> Or puts food on the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I think being an ethical consumer demands that we sort of consider the big picture, not just what, like, offends us on a personal level. Right. <laughs> and you know what? Like, the reality is they are providing jobs. 
And, you know, I bet you when they go over there, they are thanked for it because at least they're bringing something in. I would, Im- I would imagine so. I mean, you, you look at like a, a company like Walmart, right? Okay. When Walmart comes to a small town, how it, it really does fuck over the local community or the local business community, I should say. Do people get pissed? And if like the not business owner people, they get pissed when Walmart comes to town? No. Nope, they, they go shop. Is, oh, this is cheaper here. Yeah. Savings and convenience. Yep. You know, we're all guilty of making dick moves so we're not really any of us in a place to judge these fucking corporations for for turning a buck we're trying to turn a buck for ourselves too right. you, you turn a buck when you save 30 cents on a pack of chicken you, you know what i mean like we're all concerned about the bottom line why would they be different yeah fair enough um here, here here's a question that came up to me and like i'm not really sure how i would answer it i'm sort of curious because i sort of just dropped this tro- this topic on you impromptu uh-huh. like I guess it's a two-part question. Is there a villain in all this? And if so, who do you perceive it to be? I don't perceive there to be a villain. Though I don't morally agree with it, it's still, I understand business. I've had businesses in the past, and I've sold businesses in the past, and I've sold businesses for what they're more than what they're worth. So, you know, if somebody's willing to pay me an extra 20 grand for a business that's only worth 50 grand, well, okay, who's the villain? And then I guess in that case, I'm the villain. Okay. And I guess the follow-up question to that would be, do you identify the way things are as a problem? And if so, what would you see as a solution? I don't see it as a problem. (laughs) Easy enough. (laughs) Because it's immoral, I can't necessarily say I totally agree with it. But on the opposite end of the scale, you know, there's a business sector there that doesn't work on morality. And because I'm not in Walmart's position, who am I to put a judgment on that morality? I, I can pretend I'm butthurt and pretend I'm offended and everything else, but the reality is I understand business, so. Well, even as far as the butthurt, I mean, like, if you want to have a say, you don't have your say on fucking Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, wherever the hell it is the kids are using these days. You have a say with your dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. So instead of fucking like sharing and hashtagging and just beaking off at fucking Starbucks... If you really got a problem with it, don't shop there. Don't buy the Nikes. Don't shop at Walmart. Don't fucking feed these big corporations that employ these sweatshops that are putting food on fucking Asian tables. Right. I have an issue with Nestle. I don't buy shit that's Nestle. I have an issue with somebody else. I have an issue with Starbucks way overcharging for the coffee, so I don't buy Starbucks. My nickels and dimes to them really don't matter, but to me, it's, it's a judgment call. I don't complain to anybody else. If somebody wants Starbucks, yeah, I'll stop there. If they want to spend their money there, it's up to them. Well, there you have it. Quick and easy. Yep. So, bit of an idea. Okay. Transgenderism. Ism? Is it an ism? <laughs> you know what? I, I know I'm going to sound shitty for saying this. I don't really understand a hell of a lot about the the whole uh, identity of, of being transgendered. Right. So I, I don't know whether it's an ism or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be a dick. I just, I really don't know. Right. And, and this isn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, is, is there a third gender, fifth gender, sixth gender, is there only two genders? That's not what I'm talking there about. There are 69 genders. What? I, <laughs> <laughs> Everything else after that is a licking. Jesus. Um, <laughs> he liked licking. That's why he had 12 male companions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Colonel Dude. Sanders never wore his pants up the same. <laughs> Finger looking good. Especially after they've been up Jesus' bumhole. Anyways, I feel like there was a serious topic you were trying to introduce here, and I just went straight up Jesus' ass. <laughs> Surprise! Um, <laughs> you're not a Christian. Yeah, you, you definitely salute him. Well, I mean, way. in um, fucking was like episode one, you were fucking the hole in his hand, so why can't I... <laughs> Yeah, you guys gotta become a Patreon because episode one's going in there pretty soon, and oh my god, that's funny. The word of the day, kids, is transgender possiblyism. There we go. <laughs> I like that possibly word. Um, We're professionals. So, I was watching the talk, and what is the talk? Is somebody who's transgender when they come out of the closet are they a hero or is it, or should they be recognized as just somebody who's very strong and finally able to get out there or? Are, are they a hero, like a fireman who goes in and saves a puppy? Is this a rhetorical question, or are you asking me? I'm asking you. See, I struggle with this one, because I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy, but, I mean, like, to answer your specific question, like, are they a hero in the same way that a fireman who, was it rapes a puppy or saves a puppy? Hein, hein, hein! As long as they use duct tape, fine. Um, no, I, I don't think they're a hero in that sense. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that type of hero, that's somebody who is performing a selfless act for the benefit of somebody in need. Right. Whereas I think the the heroism involved with um, coming out of the closet, say, whether it's coming out as anything other than straight or whether it's coming out as transgendered or like any of these different gender identities. I think that would be heroism more in the form of setting an example of bravery. Or personal heroism? Does that make sense? Like like a hero to themselves, you mean? Right. Yeah, I, I think there's an element of that. I don't know necessarily that it would be accurate to label that as heroics, though Mm -hmm. certainly I, I think that the bravery aspect could easily be comparable to the bravery needed to go into a burning building. Right. The things we struggle with, the things that are difficult or scary to us or overwhelming. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's all a very subjective experience. So who is one person to say to another, well, I did something that required more bravery. I think the, the underlying bravery involved, we kind of have to take the people's word for it, whether it be the fireman or whether it be fucking uh, Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner. Right. Or whoever. I mean, these are all acts of bravery. But, I mean, your, your question wasn't related to bravery. I don't think it, it sounded no, it like it was to more heroes. to do with, like, the heroics. Correct. And, yeah, that's where I, I personally am not completely clear. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence on it. See, my opinion, like, I see somebody as they could be a hero to their friends and their peers. Okay. You know, if somebody that they know is having a hard time coming out and they come out before the person that's having a hard time, seeing them as a hero... To, to, okay, now I can do it. Yeah, you you've know? inspired hope. Correct. That I can see. But I don't think it's the type of heroism that they should expect everybody to worship. So when you say everybody, you know? you're talking like outside. The masses. Of... Okay, so like somebody who doesn't have a pony in the race, like they're supposed to give a fuck. Right. And you're saying, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have to give a fuck. Right. You know, and I say this because if my son came out, whatever he was, I wouldn't want him to come down and say, um, unless he feels comfortable doing it and say, Oh, look, I am gay. Therefore I have a boyfriend or I am trans and I have a trans partner or whatever. I would just expect him to be him, (laughs) but that's putting a gender there, but I don't mean to put a gender there. It's, it's, it's 
if he is, if he finds out in five years that he's female, I don't want him to feel like he has to make a big deal of it. I want him just to put on a dress one day and realize he is and calmly come and have a conversation about it. Okay. And maybe his friends who are having a hard time coming out and such see him as a hero. And, and I see him as a personal hero because, you know, that takes a lot of balls. Good for you. But I still don't think we should walk down First Avenue and have everybody think, praise him like he's a hero. See, I think the reason why I'm sort of struggling with like, where I land on this is uh, it, it's really similar to a discussion we had back in episode two, The Pudding Guy. <laughs> yeah. Because um, we were talking about like people that had, you know, misconduct in their past and, you know, like how when you're standing back from the situation and looking at it, it's really easy to take a, a, a critical view of things and say, okay, well, it is this way or it is the other way. Right. Whereas when you try to personalize this and say, okay, well, this is me in this situation, would I be looking at it with the same critical eye or would I apply a different standard to it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about the question of the heroics involved with coming out. While I can't identify with what it is exactly like to come out of the closet related to sexual identity or sexual orientation, mm -hmm. where I do get a small taste of it on a personal level is what the experience of coming out as an atheist in a Christian family is like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure we've talked about that story in previous episodes, right. so I don't want to touch on that again. Actually, I want to cut you off just for a second. Because I can give you a reflection from an outside opinion. Okay. Okay. I personally was as proud of you for finding your shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and in this sense, it doesn't matter what the shit is. You found your shit. It happened to be getting out from under the rock of Christianity. Okay. Okay. Whereas somebody may be getting out from the label of a male mm -hmm. or a female into a male, whatever the scenario is. I personally because I'm a friend of yours and I've been a friend of other people, see you in the same light as, holy fuck, that takes a lot of strength and a lot of oomph to get the fuck out from under that rock, because that's a pretty heavy rock to walk out from under. Yeah. So, though I didn't idolize you like a hero, that's only because of your penis, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's still a level of admiration because I'm in your circle. But you didn't walk around... Like, you expected everybody to put you on their shoulders and hail you like a fucking hero. Well, and see, that's sort of where I was going with that whole thing, though. Because, I mean, like, what what you're describing, I think it, it just perfectly mirrors my sentiments as far as, like, how people related to the situation, you know, like, within the circle, as it were, should and would react. But as far as me not walking around like I wanted to be carried off on the crowd's shoulders while they were chanting my name, the, the reality is I very much did want that. Mm -hmm. And while most people were very supportive of my transition from Christianity to atheism, right. some people just didn't fucking get why it was a big deal. And those people, I, I, I found their reaction incredibly frustrating because here I had undertaken probably the most difficult transition of my life mm -hmm. and i felt like the, the the entire experience all the effort the heartache the the sleepless nights the tears the uncertainty about my eternal soul all this stuff it was all really big shit to me was was being just minimized ridiculously and you know if i could have thrown a parade in my own honor just to say hey look at me like i'm here and look what the fuck i did like goddamn idolize me this was an unbelievable undertaking 
don't kid yourself, I would have done it in a stone cold fucking heartbeat. Okay, so, so I mean, and, and and that's why I can sort of like identify with these people that come out of the closet. You know how you know maybe they or the people close to them might want the general population to um, treat them as heroes because in that group's eyes, like this person might be a hero. Well, okay. To so to somebody who hasn't experienced something like that, it sound like it sounds to me like you were more worried about other people's opinions than your accomplishment. You were more worried about people putting you on their shoulders and proud of you for doing it than you were of doing it. You know what I mean? That's just how it sounds. No, no, and I, I, I'm sure it does, and I can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Definitely hung up on people's reactions. I, I, I feel like their reactions went hand in hand with like um, how I was uh, dealing with the emotions related to the accomplishment. It's like I was up on this big high, and I wanted everybody else to be in a big high too. Mm-hmm. Um, now a couple years removed from that whole experience i mean looking back at it maybe a little less emotionally mm-hmm. it was still a big thing and um yeah maybe the the parade in my honor might have been premature had it actually gone through right I, I sort of find myself now where it's like if if i see somebody else that's going through a similar thing and it's like oh yeah well i've been there and yeah it's it's an exciting time that you're going through you know the excitement's gonna fade so like you know, part of me almost wants to shit on them and say, like, you know, get over yourself. But mm-hmm. the other part of me remembers. Um, Wanting the hoo hoorah. Yeah. And, and feeling that enthusiasm and that uh, just overwhelming joy of having done something really fucking hard. Right. And it, it causes me to turn back and say, OK, well, no, I can't take this from them. And sort of trying to encourage other people where it's like, OK, you might not see the big deal in this. But it's a big deal for them. And the more we all make a big deal and like make a positive reaction and like maybe like in a way sort of treat them like a hero, even if we don't necessarily see them like one, the more it kind of encourages other people who might be lurking in the shadows and they're just not quite ready to fucking pull the trigger and come out because, you know, they might they might be deaf to like the 99 positive voices because the only voice they hear is that one guy who's being kind of shitty. Right. So in, in that sense, I don't know. It just all around, it's it's just a big fat gray area for me. I personally like when it, when it came to like Bruce Jenner coming out and saying like "Call me Caitlyn" or whatever. Yep. Well, I don't understand it, and I, I I mean I can't say whether I agree or disagree with it because like like I say, if I don't understand it, there's nothing to agree or disagree with. Right. I was supportive because I know that for every person that might be legitimately labeled as a fucking clown who comes out as transgendered, there might be a thousand other people that are legitimate cases who are not clowns who desperately need support. Right. You know, I'm also, part of me is also worried about, because statistics show that there are a lot of people that are doing it to be part of the in crowd. And there are a fair amount of people who are doing it because it's genuine. All right. So they're treating the, the, the transaction like buying a fucking Gucci bag. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, of YouTubes and um, people's podcasts, this kind of shit. And you listen to other podcasts? Cheater. <gasps> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but what I found is I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted because though when Caitlyn Jenner came out and I, and I recognized her triumph, you know, inside I went, fucking A, good for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another thing I thought of listening to podcasts was, you know what, there's so many young people, anybody younger than Caitlyn, that now have somebody to look up to. 
that's a fucking damn good thing. Okay. But why not just be a good person about it rather than expecting to be to be a hero for it? Only because you need to understand that you need to be recognized by the people that need your help. Not by the average Joe straight binary male opinion. Now, do you think that it was Caitlin that was putting herself into the limelight? Or do you think that Caitlin was put into the limelight by people around her? I think they work hand in hand. I think the press had a lot to do with it, mm -hmm. but Caitlin opted to do the, the interviews. So, I mean, she was sort of at the same spot like I was with wanting all the fanfare. The difference was she had people willing to give it to her. Only in my opinion, I think so, yes. That's just my opinion. I think so. And, okay, and so... I don't like, think there's anything wrong with it. Okay, that's what would be saying, my next question. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but what I am saying is those that just congratulate you and don't make a big deal out of it, you know, don't bastardize them because a lot of that shit goes on. Well, if you don't, you're not proud of me because of this, then you obviously don't support. A lot of us do support. Doesn't mean we're going to raise a fucking flag. Okay, so like if I'm reading you correctly, like saying like a, a passive supporter is as valuable as an active supporter. Right. As long as there's nothing being done uh, uh, and through detriment. Yes, I'm not standing in your way. I'm wishing you well. Fucking good for you. And High if you five, need a hand, fuck, I'll help you. Yeah, but, like, I'm not going to go and fucking throw confetti at you when you drive down the street. Correct. I think that's fair. Yeah. I might be wrong, but, yeah, the, it makes sense to me. Very cool. Leave it there. I don't know where else to go with that. Awesome. Thank you for listening. This is and always will be a politically incorrect version of the Missionary Position Podcast. Mission Studios, the Missionary Position Podcast, their employees, or its entertainers are in no way culpable for anyone being butthurt, slighted, or in any way offended. If you as a human being cannot accept that something may sound like a close resemblance to your situation and not be totally about you in your little remnants of an existence, that is your issue. Send your opinions, hate mail, poop pics, full nudes, ideas, or questions in the form of an email to missionarypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at missionarypod and like us on Facebook at Missionary Position Podcast. If you are so inclined to help this broadcast get better or just wish to help out, our Patreon account is patreon.com slash missionarypod. 